You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about Brexit and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I am Yasmin Lomax. And I am Micah Hahn. And we are your friendly hosts of this here podcast. Um, back for another month, the last one of 2018, mm-hmm. also known as December. That was a very complicated way of saying December. Um, but what have you been up to this past month, Micah? I have just been finishing my penultimate semester of my undergrad. And I love the word penultimate. I love the word penultimate. It always reminds me of um, that Lemony Snicket series. Do you remember, like, the series of unfortunate events? And one of them was called The Penultimate Peril. And I was like, oh, I like Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Um, So that's been, like, decently stressful, but not awful. Um, That's good. There's a few, like, I don't want to do this anymore moments, but they were, they were, they were, they passed very quickly. I had a really good piece of advice from a professor, which I'd like to impart on all of you. And I'm that ready. She said, you should never make any important life decisions during finals. doesn't matter, like, oh. what's happening in your life. You don't make important life decisions during finals because your brain is a bit skewed. I'd love to know, like, which disaster she's witnessed that has prompted her to say that. I like, know. Oh, there's some juicy hashtag content there, I reckon. Yeah, I'll try and get it out of her next semester. <laughs> um, In your ultimate semester. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's what penultimate means. It means the one before the <laughs> ultimate one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's been good. I've been handing in a lot of applications. I've been writing. I wrote 10,000 words in a week, um, which was interesting. Um, yeah, and it's that, that sounds nice. Well, good. you know, it sounds decent, fair to middling. It started Christmasing too, so it's worth it. Christmas, we do have some, we'll be, we'll be scheduling some Christmas chat in this, in this episode, so mm-hmm. we will get on to that. Um, I also did some Christmasing when I went to Sweden this month, um, for a few days, which was probably the highlight of, of my month. Um, since we last spoke, I had I gone to Manchester last time we spoke? I don't think spoke? so. Okay, that was another highlight. Did some Christmasing there. I went to Manchester in England, and I went to Lund in Sweden, and we also went to Copenhagen in Denmark. And all those places were very Christmassy. I did Christmas markets in Manchester, which were phenomenal. I got to catch up with some friends there, which was great. And then we also did some Christmas markets when we were in Copenhagen. And then when I was in Lund in Sweden, I learned about all these fabulous Swedish Christmas traditions. It's very, very festive there. And they have lots of things like, you know, the specific decorations they have and they have like a Christmas fizzy drink and they have a Christmas like cider and all these Christmas foods and like candy and like they're, yeah, they're, they've got some very special Christmas things. So I had a really, really great time there. Um, Otherwise, I think we all like collectively forget how busy December is. Like I always have visions of December being, you know, like I'll be sitting on my couch reading a book as the snow is gently falling and, you know, just sipping a mug of hot cocoa with marshmallows. But really it's like hectic all the time. Oh yeah. No, no. That happens in between the 25th and New Year's Eve. I call it the liminal space of December because nothing happens. It's the best week. And it's really strange because everyone's kind of like sitting around looking at each other being like, what? And I think every year you think that the time between Christmas and New Year's is like two days, but it's actually like a whole week and it's a very long time. It's just that like you forget it's a whole week and no one schedules anything to do. That's a nice time. I look forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited for that one. Um, Have you found time to read some things this month? I have. I've been making a concerted effort to have um some mental space from everything i've been doing um so i read i continued on my quest of just reading the same author for the entire year um so now (laughs) i've moved from ann patchett i'm going back to ann patchett as a preview for the january episode but (laughs) for this episode i um read the other celeste ning book or nyang we have to do this again um 
I and did think this was the one you talked about last month, actually. And I was yeah. like, um, what the heck, Micah? Checked it. It's not. So I'm excited to hear about this. Um, yeah. So this is her newest book. It's called Little Fires Everywhere. Um, and it's just like, it's so good. I, re- I think I just like um, everything I never told you just slightly more. Um, cause okay. The- this one had a few things where I was like, that's like slightly forced. But right. other than that, she she's just so amazing at writing about families. I have like, heard that, yes. And about like how people aren't perfect in them. And mm. it's kind of disingenuous to think that they are. Um, and so it's about, it follows two families. One like perfect, supposedly um ultra suburban family and then one like odd family that's just a mother and a daughter who like travel around the u.s and never really stay in the same place for more than like half a year and it's all about how like their interactions shape each other's lives and about how the past Mm -hmm. shapes the present um it's very subtly set in the uh, 90s um like they use like the bill clinton monica Lewinsky stuff as, like, really interesting setting tools. Um, right. So that's good. And, yeah, just loved it. The mom characters, she's so good at writing mom characters. They're wonderful. I've heard, um, I was listening to another podcast. I'd love to remember which one it was. But one of the, the co-hosts was a mom, and she had especially enjoyed these books. Mm-hmm. So I've definitely, I've definitely heard that. That sounds great. I'll have to add it to um, my reading list then. So good. So good. Um, well, I'm actually going to go a little bit different this month and recommend some email newsletters, which is something that we posted a little bit about on our Instagram, which is at DTCBS podcast, mm-hmm. if you're not following and liking and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I really like email newsletters. I've got into them recently and I think they have a bad name of being like just spam. Um, but I think if you sign up to the right ones, you can actually get some like really interesting content. And I don't know a lot of people who are on email newsletters. So I think get on them. Um, so ones I'm really enjoying would be Haley Gladder's What's the Scoop, which we mentioned on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. And that is like food and article recommendations. So I love that. Um, the ladies at Shameless Podcast, which is the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who love, who secretly love dumb stuff. God, I could barely say that. They do it mm-hmm. a lot better in each episode because that is their tagline. Um, they have a recommendations newsletter that's also great. That's kind of like what we're doing right now, the reading, watching, listening kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fantastic. I also really enjoy um, Olivia Purvis from whatoliviadid.com has a now monthly newsletter. I think it's called the Sunday Duvet series or reading. Duvet's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, now monthly. And that again is great. Like article recommendations, you know, uh, playlists, all that kind of stuff. So I think you can really get some good pointers in email newsletters. Maybe well, we'll have to branch it. has a YouTube channel, right? Uh, you would not does. Yes. No, no. Okay. The recurring joke of me not being into YouTube. I watch her one. YouTube channel because it's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love her little like pastel London life. She's just, mm-hmm. she's, she's right. No, I never watched any of the YouTube videos, but <laughs> I am on top of her blog and her Instagram. So, mm-hmm. um, there we go. Look, we just found out that we're on the same the same yeah. page with that. So you should subscribe to the newsletter, Micah. I will. Yeah. Um, so you've been watching what Olivia did YouTube. Have you been watching any other things this month? I've honestly just been rewatching Gilmore Girls. It's like a hug. It's beautiful. I- you know what I love about you saying that is that you are doing like your intense study and you're watching Gilmore Girls. And I would say one of my my most potent memories from my final year of high school was that I watched Gilmore Girls every single night. Mm-hmm. Like it was my routine is that I would study until like 8.30 and then I would watch Gilmore Girls. And my sister who like had the bedroom next to me was always like, she would always sing the theme song through the wall. <laughs> it's like, and she'd never watched an episode. She'd never heard that song before. But every night at 8.30, you would just hear, if we're out on the road. And then we'd just be like singing it together. Mm-hmm. So fond memories of that. So yeah. you also have fond, fond memories. With um, I, like I've watched, I think this is my third watch through, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, and I just kind of like whenever I need to watch something because I need to turn my brain off, but I don't want to watch something new because I don't want to turn my brain on too much. Mm. Um, I watch Gilmore Girls. And I'm on season, I think it's three or four, the season where Rory starts Yale. Um, I think it's Yeah. Three. I'm trying to like calculate her high school years and then try and calculate like mm-hmm. when, I think that might be four. Whatever it is, yeah. Rory is in her first year of Yale, and it's interesting watching her go through her first semester while I'm going through, like, my last year, yeah. um, and kind of, like, seeing what that's like. Um, I remember watching her graduate high school while I was oh. graduating high school and, like, crying with her, because I was like, yeah. I want to do the future. Um, mm. It's funny. I don't think I will make it, because I, like, watch it very slowly. When I want to actually watch TV, I'll watch something else. Um, but I don't think I'll make it to her graduation before I graduate. We'll see. We'll see. No, it is. I'd love to live in Stars Hollow. And it's just, it's so, mm-hmm. like, cozy. And it's, Gilmore Girls is really great. It is. I think, like, looking, watching it now, there are some things, kind of like Friends. It's not as bad as Friends and, like, the problematicness. Like, there are yeah. no Rosses. But, like, there are certain things. But you kind of, like, oh, like live in its time. It's like yeah, that old. is um, a big, you know, conversation that's been happening mm-hmm. lately about those kinds of things. And I think it's that we do need to kind of look at them as an artifact and think, okay, that was like things that were acceptable in those times and we're not carrying those attitudes into the future. And I think all the actors who were in it and everyone who was involved in it wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I'll do that again. Yeah. But And I think people kind of use that like, outrage tactics to be like millennials are slamming friends and we're like mm-hmm. no everyone's just simply recognizing that like the treatment of chandler's dad and friends wasn't cool we're not asking them to like remake friends and recast mm-hmm. it with like a diverse cast and like you know that kind of thing we're just saying hey i love friends but that's not cool and i think that's fine to do i think yeah i think it's like a especially because with netflix you can it's so much easier to introduce new generations to the shows yeah and like the people who are like five, six years younger than us who are watching Friends. Like, jump on the bandwagon, join us in how great Friends is. But, yeah. like, don't, don't take it at face value. Yeah, and I think that whole kind of cancellation culture of 2018, in some cases, very justified. But in other cases, when you're saying, everyone should boycott Friends because of this, is, like, it's, I'm, I'm not going to get behind that. to boycott in this yeah. moment. Like, things that are actually being made and getting people paid. Uh, now. Yeah. Now. When In a time when it's not appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, some things that I have been enjoying that I think are fantastic, very appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. So, this month, the Late Late Toy Show is on, which is this, like, annual TV show in Ireland that's, like, our big Christmas tradition. And it's basically a bunch of kids go on TV and show off, like, the best toys for Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous because basically you have like the top broadcast journalist in Ireland gets this like the gig which is like the light light show which is on every Friday night and you know that's like kind of heavyweight journalism and then once a year they have to go on live television and play with a bunch of children for like three hours and sponsored by like Hasbro and stuff like that or is it no oh like different like different toy stores like give all the toys in and then they get donated afterwards okay Um, yeah, but it's just, it's very stressful to watch these kind of, like, um, they've only ever had, like, three hosts, but, you know, the, to watch these kind of, like, older male broadcast journalists, mm-hmm. like, who may not be very comfortable with children, have to play with children for three hours. Um, but it's very, it's it's a Christmas tradition. We all get behind it. Um, mm-hmm. I also watched uh, Dumplin' on Netflix, which was fantastic. Um, that is the adaptation of the book by Julie Murphy. And thoroughly recommend that. Just re- really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, a great, uh, just a story that I think needs to be told. Um, but one that I wanted to go a little bit more in depth this month is The Bold Type on, I've been watching it on Amazon Prime. Um, have you heard of the show, Micah? I have. It's about you. Yes, tell us. Right? Yes, <laughs> essentially. It's about three women who work at a women's magazine in New York. So, very much my niche. Um, so there's Jane, Sutton, and Kat. It's kind of like, you know, you could say it's almost like Sex in the City, but it's really not what I expected. I started watching it on a plane a couple months ago, and I was mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, this is cheesy. 
but it ended up getting like really, really woke to be honest. There's mm-hmm. really great um, representation and inclusion. So um, like one of the three main characters, Kat, um, she has a black father and a white mother and there's a storyline about how she's, you know, struggling to identify with that or what label we should use. And there's all these differing points of views on labels and whether we should use them and what do they mean personally and for other people and what are they rejecting and you know that's really great mm-hmm. um it often has like an issue at its core in each episode so it could be like slut shaming or sexual assault or cancer but mm-hmm. it doesn't really come across as an after school special kind of thing mm-hmm. and i think sometimes the reason for that is is because it does show those different point of views so you know when you're coming up with like a label it's not saying everyone if you are you know a minority that you need to identify as that it does show different points of view and um one of my favorite episodes is when um two characters i won't i won't give too much of a spoiler but two characters have very 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 different points of view on um guns one of them is very anti-guns she was like lived um near columbine as a child and was very like traumatized by that and she just wants nothing to do with it the other one um grew up in like rural Pennsylvania and she had, you know, she was in like a a shooting club at high school Mm -hmm. and they have a really, really like honest discussion throughout the episode. And it doesn't kind of, I think it does a really good job at like escaping that liberal echo chamber that I'm sure we sometimes find each other in that like can be quite condescending to people who don't agree with it. And that's what pushes people, you know, to the right. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, really, really great discussions and point of view represented. Um, my personal favorite character is the editor of Scarlet Magazine. Her name is Jacqueline, and she, you might recognize her as Jan Levinson Gould from The Office, who was fully crazy, mm-hmm. but she's not crazy in this. And I think they did a really good job of like changing my perception of her because I always think of her as crazy Jan. But mm-hmm. no, she's, you, and you think she's going to be this stereotypical Devil Wears Prada kind of editor but she's actually acts as a mentor to the three girls and Mm -hmm. it's actually it's actually really beautiful to see on to see on screen so um yeah have you actually been watching any christmas stuff this month yet or uh yesterday um yeah we my best friend and i were gonna watch the holiday which is (gasps) i'm watching that tonight with my mom as soon as we hang this up i'm watching my mom yay um but then we uh we realized we just wanted to talk to each other and we hadn't oh, seen the holiday before. So we decided just to watch what? Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban instead for like the 20th and, the and, and yeah. like, cause we were like crafting at the same time. So what were you crafting? That's so cute. Um, because dear listeners, my boyfriend doesn't watch this show. I will tell you that I am making <laughs> a scarf for Christmas. Oh my god, stop. Mm-hmm. You guys, if anyone wants to send me money to like move to Canada, this is adorable. I just want to watch Harry Potter and like just scarf. This is a dream. Yeah. Oh, um, I love it. Um, so I haven't actually watched any Christmas movies yet. What's your favorite one? Oh, I don't know. I used to really like the um, Polar Express as a kid. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry, that is frightening. You thought it was frightening. I loved it. Um, oh. It's very, I don't know. It's Christmassy. Well, I probably shouldn't talk because my favorite is Jack Frost, and a lot of people have told yeah, me that that's, that's frightening. Yeah, that's too. Okay, I'm like sorry. It's just because there's, but... like, a man reincarnated as a snowman through the power of a magical harmonica. Mm-hmm. How is that frightening? <laughs> okay, Only sorry, slightly. Sorry. No, it's very funny, though, because speaking of Gilmore Girls, um, mm-hmm. there is a bit, like, it's set in this, like, adorable Colorado town, but there's a bit where they do, like, an extreme long shot and, like, zoom out, and it's very, very obvious that it's the Warner Brothers studio in L.A. that's, like, nice. that's Stars Hollow. Like, you can see the gazebo. I'm like, that's Stars Hollow. It's, it's Stars Hollow. Um, nice. So, yeah. But Love Actually, I think I might watch that one tomorrow. It's also getting a weird cultural evaluation this year and, oh um, what part of it um i forget which part <sighs> oh it's not the um the whole kira knightley and the guy with the the signs thing Maybe. is it because that, that stuff is creepy it's kind of like uh, it's creepy but like i don't know yeah that one's that one's always a little mm-hmm. yeah 
It's not my favorite storyline. It's not the little boy running through the airport. Come on. That's where it's yeah. at. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. Um, what have you been listening to? Any Christmas carols? Oh, no. I've been listening to, like, the opposite of Christmas carols. No, I don't know. Um, Are you a Christmas song person? Um, sometimes. I really love, as a good Canadian does, Michael Bublé's Christmas album. Yes. I think uh, a good citizen of the world likes that album. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's from Vancouver. Um, wow, that's cool. Yeah, he lives, um, like, right by my school in a very oh large gosh, mansion. Stop. Um, I actually have you ever seen him? Yes. Oh, this is a wonderful story. So there I am. It's Christmas time. I'm driving just in my car, listening to Michael Bublé's Christmas album. And there's this part (laughs) where the like street goes from two lanes into one lane, and then it becomes one lane for a very long time. So people try and pass slow people. Um, and so there I am, kind of (gasps) past this mini singing Michael Bublé, um, I look to my left to make eye contact with the person I'm trying to pass, and it is Michael Bublé. And he looks so pissed at me, because I was trying to pass him. Little did he know I was listening to his songs. Um, yeah. You're like, I love you. I'm not trying to be a douche. I love you. Yeah. That that was my Michael Bublé encounter. Um. I love it. Yeah. So, I've not been listening to Michael Bublé. I've been listening to Anderson Pack's new album. He's um, okay. up in, last, I think last year he won the Grammy for Best New Artist, or he was nominated. Um, he, his, new, his albums are named after places in, uh, like the LA era, so his first one is Venice, then Malibu. This one's called Oxnard. Um, it's just so good. I, I guess all I've been talking about this as the podcast has gone on, has been, like, indie and pop and rock, but I actually really like hip-hop. Um, back in the day, I used to do a bit of hip-hop. <laughs> like, dancing, Hi. not singing. Um, <laughs> clarify. Um, anyways. In uh, West Vancouver, born and raised. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I he. I actually saw him open for someone, like, many, many years ago before he was really big. Um, He does, like, hip-hop R&B. His voice is, like, amazing. The only problem with this new album is that it's produced by Dr. Dre, who is a sexist. Um, But putting that aside, we recognize his major flaws. Um, Anderson Pack is not and has, like, the most adorable family and is wonderful. Um, he was on SNL when the album came out, and he was really good on SNL. Um, oh, great. My top songs on the album are all in a row. Um, Tins is, oh, like, the big single that comes out, and then Who Are You has, um, Who Are You has Kendrick Lamar on it, and then oh. Six Summers is really good. It's, like, a protest song. Um, awesome. Very and cool. then Very Not Hip Hop. I've really been liking the new Tessa Violet single. She oh, cool. started on YouTube trying to break into, like, the mainstream pop scene. Um, she's doing, like, single releases in the lead-up to her, new, her first album. But Bad Ideas is the new one, and the music video is so cool. It's, like, very much color-blocked. Um, it's, like, very poppy. And I'm usually not, like, super, super into pop, but it's just a lot of fun. So oh, very cool. We'll link the music video in the pod description because it's awesome yes i'm excited to watch that Mm -hmm. to be honest um well i i think i mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast but i saw blossoms this month um who are one of my favorite bands and i wanted to report that i had a really really fun time um it was the kind of show that you go to and it was like I think if you had never even heard one of their songs, you would have just had a fun time in it. Like it was just fun is the mm. word I would use to describe it. Um, so do you listen to Blossoms? No. No. Okay. I think you'd like them. Mm-hmm. Me to everyone. Like if someone's like, oh yeah, I'm really into like, I don't know, like Kendrick. Mom. I'm like, I think you'd like them. Um, I'm sorry, but people can do that with Game of Thrones. Like people keep telling me to watch Game of Thrones when there's literally nothing in my personality that would imply I would enjoy yeah. it. So I'm going to do it to everyone about Blossoms. But anyway, um, they're from Manchester, mm-hmm. which is obviously 
a very music city and where I went recently. Um, and they sound a little bit like, I would say, if like Oasis, Suede, New Order, Arctic Monkeys, maybe Duran Duran had a baby. They are obviously like inspired by bands like Oasis because like, you know, the whole Manchester thing, very big like Arctic Monkeys influence, but they do have a very 80s like synthy kind of side to them. Um, and they're like really not afraid to be poppy. So it's all big choruses, great haircuts, great clothes. Um, they have two albums at the moment. And to me, they're a perfect breakup band. They have lots of really, really mm-hmm. great breakup songs that are not just like, they're not sad ones though. They make you want to dance. And I find that very, very mystifying that you could be, I mean, the lyrics are scarily accurate for some yeah. things that I have gone through. And I've been like, what is the FBI agent on my phone? Like spying? I'm like what? Are they giving them like my experiences and then they're just writing about them? But um, yeah, it's um, bizarre because I just want to dance to them. Um, they also are really, really, really good at doing covers. They've done a lot of like covers and a lot of like live land, just kind of things. Um, and I think like to me, one of the best cover bands cover bands that's such a like that's not really what i mean but like a band who are great at doing covers is the killers and i think blossoms are like just as good um and they did big mouth strikes again by the smiths when i saw them and that was really cool um so yeah if they are near you at any point they tour a hell of a lot so they might be um definitely get tickets guys i'm going to see them again in dublin in june which i'm excited about so yay also Christmas songs wise, um, they have just covered Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time, which mm-hmm. is my personal favorite Christmas song. So when they announced they were doing that, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. A Venn diagram of my interests? Yes. Um, I think it's phenomenal. So big recommend. I think that's all our media consumption of this month, it Micah, is. is it? It is. On with the show. Yes. Welcome to the politics section of the podcast. Um, this week Ooh. or month, we will not be talking about Brexit. We will be talking about something God. that was kind of overshadowed by Brexit, but we should talk about anyways, because it affects us all. Um, so you might Literally. Have heard- like, I mean, literally everyone. Yes, literally everyone. Um, you might have heard in the news that uh, our world leaders, well, some of them, were meeting in Poland for the Poland Climate Summit, or you can call it COP24, Katowice, I have no idea how to say any words in Poland. It's the name of the town in Poland. Um, so it's the 24th Conference of the Parties, or, and who, what is the Conference of the Parties, you ask? I, I Wikipedia'd it. Um, it's the Governing Body of International Agreements. Um, so you may have heard of the Kyoto Protocol, which was the first really big climate yes. um, agreement. And so we've had a meeting every single year since the Kyoto Protocol to discuss our climate goals as a globe. Um, caveat before we start this, we will not be talking about the science of climate change. We will not be debating the science of climate change. Climate change is real. This is where we are starting. Um, yeah, fast- I think that's a, yeah. good, a good point to make. Yes. Um, um, and, yeah. The vast majority of the scientific community believes climate change is a man-made phenomenon that will kill us if we don't do anything about it. Sorry for this cheery Christmas episode. Um, <laughs> so we just no, but I think back. that's totally yeah yeah. But like, if you're listening to this and you don't believe in climate change, my question is like, I don't see why you wouldn't want to live more for want of a better word, gently. Like I know there are financial considerations when it mm-hmm. comes to, you know, big picture implementations for governments, but on a personal like micro level, like surely having a tap on while you're brushing your teeth or a light on in another room you're not using doesn't add anything to your life that you could just mm-hmm. stop doing that. So mm-hmm. yeah, guys, it's real. And whether you believe it or not, just stop being a douche. <laughs> um, so this year has not been the best for climate change um, in that, in our fight against it. So most prominently, of course, is the fact that the leader of the most powerful country in the world does not believe in climate change. Um, It has not been great. He's been really rolling back 
he who must not be named has been really rolling back. Yeah, I was like, you haven't said it yet. <laughs> um, he's been rolling back all of the regulations. This was really Obama's, like, big thing was climate change, that and Obamacare, and he's really yeah, I was like, okay. uh, not been caring about that. Um, he also ignored a report from his own government talking about the impacts of climate change on their country. Um, the other big thing that happened this year in climate change is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a UN panel that released that report that said um, an increase of 1.5 cent centimeters Celsius in temperature would be devastating for the world, which is also very sad. Um, and that 1.5 Celsius, we'll come back to that, is a really important figure. Um, also, in this very current moment, a big climate change thing that's happening is the Yellow Vest protests in France, which are not just about, like, they're, it's a protest, if you didn't know, about Macron's desire to increase taxes on gas. Um, that's like face value what it's about, and it's been happening for five weeks. There's been like a little bit of violence. Um, some tear gas has been thrown at protesters. It's been a big deal. Um, and it's not just about climate change in that it's like, it's a class thing. It's being fed up with the government yeah. thing. But like at its beginning was a people being upset about the government trying to like stop um, carbon emissions. So that's another big thing. But also happened. we've seen um, what we talked about in a previous episode, the whole Julius Caesar of Australian politics yes. is very often about climate change mm -hmm. and people not want taxes raised to combat that. So, yeah. yeah. So why are we having these international meetings every year about climate change? It's because climate change is this massive global problem. Um, and the reality is, is that transitioning to greener energy and really reducing carbon emissions is difficult and in the short run, very likely will hurt your economy. It's just like a fact of life. Like, I think it's, it will hurt it in that the people who produce oil will lose their job. We will create new jobs to support them. But in that very moment, they will lose their job. And to not talk about that, I think is disingenuous. Um... So everyone knows that fighting climate change in your own country is going to create some economic turmoil, maybe oh, not yeah. even turmoil, but like changes. Um, and no one wants to do that if no one else is doing it. Um, one, because um, what's the point if, what's the point of hurting your own economy if no one else is going to do it? Um, yeah. It, it just like you'll be not competitive on the global market. The other reason is that it's a global issue. And if, so say Sweden goes neutral, um, no carbon emissions. If they do that, but no one else does, Sweden is still screwed. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really, if not everyone does it, then there's no point. So we need this global like agreement to stop climate change and to decrease emissions and it's in our collective best interest to do so so casting back your mind three years ago if you can even remember that far back because it's been a <laughs> wild three years it's been a wild ride yeah mm -hmm. um you may remember the 2015 paris climate agreement which was the 21st meeting of cope um and in that agreement um we agreed as part of the Kyoto kind of understanding, um, 196 countries came together and made this agreement that we'd make sure that um, the global temperature didn't increase by more than two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And pre-industrial levels means the levels before we started emitting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, ideally, the goal is 1.5 Celsius. And that's kind of where everyone's like, okay, this is where we're going to be. But remember that report just came out that said even 1.5 is too much and could be very bad. Um, the thing is, to do that, it requires having zero emissions around between 2030 and 2050, um, which is soon, right? Yeah, that is. Um, so the Paris Climate Agreement was kind of this big deal because it was this agreement of like, this is our goal. 
um, the big criticism was is there was no enforcement mechanism. Like you could sign on and then not do it, and there's nothing right. you really do. Um, I have some fun uh, Canadian tidbit for you. In that, 2015 was the year that Justin Trudeau was elected, and this was actually the first thing he did as prime minister. Like he, I don't even know if he had a cabinet yet. Like he was fresh. Like he had just started. And he um, went to Paris and it was like this breath of fresh air because Canada has actually been one of the worst like G7 countries um, with climate change. Like we have been absolutely horrible. One, we're like a massive oil producer. Two, we're the only country that signed the Kyoto Protocol, said this is what we're going to do and these are exactly the emissions, and then we withdrew because we were like, you know what, we don't need don't to tap do. down our emissions. And it's really interesting um, if you follow Canadian politics at all now because Justin Trudeau, while he's very pro-fighting climate change, also is pro-building pipelines for oil. And um, he has a very difficult balance to strike and it's an interesting looking back now that this is how he started his uh, prime ministry you can't really say presidency the prime, prime minister. minister no but it kind of shows like maybe where his heart lies with it and mm-hmm. then what are some of the kind of um tensions that he's had to balance since then oh yeah it's it mm-hmm. gives him a bit more humanity if you're not a trudeau fan um well guess who is it's me i have pictures with the cardboard cut out of it very nice um the other (laughs) little tidbit from the paris climate agreement is that this was really like obama's legacy like he was there like getting everyone on board um he must not be named or i guess we can call him trump um had was already like on the circuit at that time it was beginning Mm-hmm. Um, and Trump is very much opposed to it and actually has pulled the U.S. informally out of the Paris Climate Agreement, which is probably one of the biggest rollbacks he's done of Obama's legacy, which is really sad. So mm-hmm. here we are, 2018, three years later, it's the Poland Conference. Um, these conferences are attended by, like, veterans who've been at these conferences for 24 years. Um, a lot of climate scientists, but mostly a lot of government people um, who's, and then obviously it rotates a little bit by who's in charge. Um, So in the Paris Agreement, you remember we agreed that this is on the level um, of where emissions should be cut um, or where the temperature we're not okay with. And in Poland, the goal was to create a rule book on how to actually get to that goal. Um, so this is like, okay, I like that. Yeah. So this is really essential. It kind of, it's part of the big criticism of Paris is that there was no mechanisms to actually make sure people did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the conference was supposed to end on Friday night, which was the 14th of December, but they actually extended it and then stayed through the night on Saturday, oh. December 15th, and only made a deal like late at night because everyone was very upset with each other. Um, the U.S. ended up signing this agreement because technically they're not allowed to pull out of Paris until 2020. Mm. Um, and that kind of, in some ways, is annoying because then they really, like, tone down any agreement that happens because they just don't, like, their policies, they don't believe in climate change at the current moment. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But it's interesting because mm-hmm. there are clearly, like, Trump people there who do believe it, or, like, Americans there because they're, like... Mm-hmm people who have been on this file for 24 yeah. years. It's an interesting mix. So, what have they agreed on? Tell um, us, Micah. It's very exciting. One thing is that they've agreed that countries who are having troubles meeting these goals, like any country, um, deserves to have some aid in doing so. So whether that's like technology or money or credits or whatever, they need help. The other thing which I really wanted to mention because I think it's maybe the most interesting of all of this and to me like the most like interesting ethical sticking point is how developing countries or the global south um, interacts with climate change and our responsibilities to them. Um, This, to like start off, Poland 
the agreement sucked for this. It wasn't strong enough. Um, but basically, yeah. the situation is is that the West or the Global North or whatever you want to call them um, are in power today because they had the Industrial Revolution and put all of this coal into the atmosphere, this CO2. Um, and that allowed them to like accrue a huge amount of capital and be the ruling nations of the world. Um, and they did this by destroying the environment. Um, and now we've realized what it does. And now we expect the people who didn't have this opportunity to bring their country up like that to not use the same tools that we did, mm. which is rather unfair. The other problem yeah. is that climate change will affect the global south much more than it'll affect the global north. One, because it's in the south. Um, so it is warmer there and rising sea, uh, sea levels is going to affect them much more. Hotter temperatures is going to affect them much more. Also, they don't have the infrastructure to deal with it. So like yeah. Texas in 40 degrees Celsius weather will survive because they have air conditioning. Morocco won't. Yeah. Um, and so not only did they not get the advantages of using fossil fuels, but they're going to get all of the repercussions yeah. of climate change. And we're asking them to, like, do exactly what we're doing, which is just not fair. And so the global solution to this is supposedly to help them become carbon neutral without risking their economy. Um, okay. And it's kind of half-hearted. Like, I think everyone agrees in general that this is a problem and this is, like, unfair, but it's not really yeah. – people aren't really working towards that. No, people have kind of gone, well, this is unfair, but, like, this is the goal we want to reach, so – Yeah, so join on. I, and they're, like, yeah. kind of forced to do so because it's the powerful nations who kind of dictate. Yeah. Um, and, I, like – not to say that these countries don't have, like, agency in this scenario. They're actually, like, fighting very, very hard to get their things recognized. Um, but it's, it's kind of a shit show in that respect. Um, the other big Poland thing is reporting rules. So basically, if we want to tamp down emissions, we need to see what everyone's doing. So... Um, we need rules on how you report your emissions and how mm -hmm. you report what you're doing to bring those down. And so the U.S. was actually the country that was like, we need the most amount of transparency possible. Right. Mostly because they're trying to get China because they don't believe that China will actually do what they say they will do. Okay. Which is a discussion for another day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the goal, they kind of agreed on like semi-transparent yeah reporting and we'll see how well that goes it's really on the governing body to decide and how it actually functions bureaucratically so we'll see i think that'd be really interesting to yeah to keep an eye on i think i'd be yeah that, that sounds very fascinating mm -hmm. um one last thing um i had mentioned before the intergovernmental report on climate change yeah here of the u.n it was scary like it is not light. It this has, is when David Attenborough came out and was like, we're all going to die, right? Yes. Was that this event? Yeah, okay. It happened, like, earlier this fall. Um, yeah. The, they use the word devastating quite a bit. Um, so the report is grim. Like, it's not good. Um, no. It requires immediate action. And if you accept the report, it, be kind, it kind of becomes unconscionable not to do anything. Yeah. Um, and so the people who don't want to do anything are just not accepting it. Mm -hmm. um, so the U.S., Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Russia, the biggest producers of oil in the world, you can add Canada to the list <laughs> after them. But yeah. anyways, um, they tried to tone down the language. So at first they wanted to like just acknowledge that the report was made like, and not say yeah. anything about its contents. Um, and so this was, like, the big fight of the entire thing. Um, the, fi the final language says that they have appreciation and gratitude for the report. 
Hmm. Which is like not enough for a report that says we're all gonna die. Um yeah. It's not it's not right. No. But I, I think mean, I think yeah, you go ahead. I think there is some like light at the end of the tunnel. Potentially. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I think although it is up to our governments to make these big decisions because it is going to be these big picture changes that make the biggest difference. I mean, we can all have an an input in that into one, like, you know, really looking and making climate change an issue at election time, you know, making Mm -hmm. that one of your deciding factors, I think would be interesting if where you're listening from, there is an election coming up or an opportunity to elect someone Mm -hmm. make climate change an issue um also as the new year approaches maybe set yourself some personal climate change resolutions um i know it's not the same as you know the huge thing yeah. that governments are able to do but like every little helps as uk supermarket tesco says hmm. um so you know someone's that i'm gonna do is i'm gonna and there are things i've been trying to do but i'm gonna be you know try a lot harder in 2019 is to say no to straws and plastic bags and water mm-hmm. bottles and things when I go out. Um, saying no to disposable coffee cups. I got myself like a reusable bamboo one. Nice. Um, and then also like, you know, cutting fast fashion consumption will be good. So, I, um, um, you know, looking for thrift stores is good. I've got some compliments recently on like a dress and a pair of shoes that I bought when I was 14. So, you know what? Holding on to things and loving them and wearing them in new ways Obviously, you can still wear it with, like, a $10 t-shirt from Target. But, you know, we're not all perfect and there are going to be purchases like that. But I think everyone should try. I think I think it's really good to take up as much as you can reducing your own emissions. Um, yes. I think it's really, really important to, like, do that and then realize that, like, the vast majority of emissions come from big companies like personal yeah. emissions are like a dr- if if all the big companies stopped emitting and people remained at their current personal emissions we'd be mm. like on the path to being okay yeah um so i think you should definitely do all the things that yasmin suggested it's really good and it also in your daily life brings in a discussion of climate change which i think is yeah, exactly yeah. action itself but i think the other thing you should do is like remain don't remain complacent so one thing to do is to only buy from companies that are reducing their emissions like you have this money and it doesn't they could even be like you could be buying plastics from companies that say that recycle their plastics or that have as a goal to reduce their emissions the big the big picture is really important to remember in this because it is the big picture that matters which is why we have these global conferences every year yeah um i think the next one where is the next one it was supposed to be in brazil but they have that new president um right who is doesn't believe in climate change so it's going to be in chile um oh nice which is exciting and then i think london is hoping to host 2020, which is going to be the big one. So look up for 2020 because it's the one where um, we see if we're on track to meeting 2015. And hopefully we'll be here to report it back to you. Yes. On to the pop culture segment of the pod. And I thought we'd keep it a little bit festive this month because there are a lot of pop culture things I could talk about. I could talk about... Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra's wedding. I could talk about the fall. I don't know if I want to call it a fall. The fold of um, Rookie Online Magazine. What I am going to talk about this month to keep it joyous and festive and Christmassy is Netflix Christmas movies. So, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, Netflix Christmas movies are essentially the new Hallmark Christmas movies in that they take pride in being extremely cheesy. And in recent years, Netflix has taken to producing many, many, many of these gloriously cheesy movies. We've got The Christmas Prince um, and the recent sequel. There's A Christmas Inheritance, The Princess Witch, The Holiday Calendar, and they are all kind of ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, 
I think what's great about them is that they have a degree of self-awareness. So there was the time that Netflix publicly shamed the 53 users who'd watched A Christmas Prince every day for 18 days via a tweet last year. Um, They do this like ridiculous cross promotion in them. So like in the princess switch and the holiday calendar, like the romantic couples were watching, like they were trying to pick a movie and they were scrolling through Netflix and deciding on the Christmas Prince. So like they're, yeah, it's, it's super, super cheesy. And I don't think they have any qualms about that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to talk about why do we like things that we recognize as bad? I Mm -hmm. mean, I don't think, I, it's very hard to like say what's bad because it's enjoyable, right? Like it just means that like maybe the production values aren't that high. I don't think any of the actors or the people involved in it think that they're going to get nominated for an Oscar for any of these. They're aware that they're just like fun, ridiculous movies. But why do we watch something that we recognize is not high quality, right? And I think the answer is that we think of, certain movies as comfort food so like you were saying about Gilmore Girls Mm -hmm. you know it's nice to have things that feel warm that feel like mac and cheese rather than salad things that feel nostalgic and like a treat and that have like a complete relaxation about them so you know for instance if you're watch, if you're eating a salad you feel like you're getting brownie points whereas if you're eating a brownie ironically you don't feel like you're getting brownie points mm-hmm. and in the right headspace, you can really enjoy that. So if you're watching something like Casablanca, there's this idea that you're getting like an intellectual or cultural currency out of it. You know, you always sound smart and cultured if you bring up that, you know, you can quote Casablanca, but a Christmas Prince is just something that you enjoy and it's not going to impress anyone and it's not going to make you look intellectual or cultured but it's just freaking fun. I guess a lot of pop music is the same. Um, there's a lot of, you know, maybe reality TV is the same. It's not an, anything intellectually stimulating from them. And there's a joy in that because I think in 2018, there's this idea that you have to be busy all the time. And it's become like an acceptable form of cultural currency to brag about how busy you are all the time. You know, there's this idea of like hustle porn of like people... You know, we saw Mark Wahlberg, um, like, releasing what time he wakes up at. Like, he wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning to exercise and things yeah. like that. And we're all supposed to be like, oh, my God. Or, you know, every, it's acceptable for everyone's, like, Instagram bio to be rise and grind. And, you know, people bragging about working 50-hour weeks or, you know, barely sleeping and staying at the office super late is meant to be really impressive. And mm-hmm. these are kind of, like, a release from that. So there was um, – a an interview published in the cut recently that was just just absolutely hilarious it was with um with with where i said that um it was with an influencer called chris lavish and i think that made everyone realize that hustling is ridiculous well i'll read a little bit about it um so they asked where are you headed and he said matcha bar they sponsor me i was going there all the time ordering this 15 dollars cbd latte and then posting pictures of it to instagram finally the owner gave me a corporate card in exchange for a couple posts a week their slogan is good things come to those who hustle when i first saw that i was like wow that is so me so you're a hustler i don't watch tv no plays no books the last movie i saw is well i'd rather not tell you okay it was avatar in the theater i just write emails and travel for work i'm barely home i'm always at jfk so I think that's when we realized it was a little bit ridiculous. Can we talk about, like, the irony of all of this? Like, all the people who, like, talk about hustling and, like, only doing all of that. And they're producing things for us to consume and avoid doing work. Like, the the, you don't watch YouTube, but the most ironic thing about YouTube is that the people who make that kind of content of, like, how to be productive, how to do all of this, don't watch it. No, exactly. Like, I mean, if you have time to be talking about how busy you are all the time, you're probably not that busy. But also if you're kind of like making content to teach other people how to be busier, then you're kind of in that way preventing them. from. It's so disingenuous to be like, you need to watch my YouTube video about how to like have the most productive day, but you also need to watch it. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. But be productive. That's, you want to be me. Not productive. I think uh, everyone knows inherently how to be productive. It stopped doing crap. So, mm-hmm. like, I've rarely watched any of those videos and been given, like, a crazy life hack that I'm like, whoa, if I didn't think of, like, I don't know, eating my breakfast while showering. You know, <laughs> it's just, like, it's ridiculous things like that. And I think it's nice to have these, um, to have these breaks away from that ridiculous, like, kind of toxic atmosphere that we have in 2018, which is that you have to be busy. And but I wanted also to mention all the article, social media you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention like an article that I read. Um, it's from the, the guardian in uh, October of this year by Sinead Stubbins. And it's called, I don't want to achieve anything on the weekend. I just want to watch TV. And in it, she cites this interview with, um, Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, and Bette Midler when they were promoting the First Wives Club. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is from 1997. And they're all having a chat, and Oprah asks them about why it's important to stimulate joy in yourself. So I'll read it. Midler finds joy in dancing. Hawn finds joy in existing. What are you doing to have fun? Oprah asks Keaton, who is smirking at the other women. I like watching television, she says. Um... You do, says Oprah, incredulous. I do, says Keaton. And I'm not ashamed either. Keaton explains that when you've been busy working all day, it's quite nice to go home and watch some television. While the three women continue to laugh in a pitying way, as if watching a puppy fall into a puddle lose its balance and then fall into a puddle again. And you know what? I think she's right. It's nice. They make television. Yeah, yeah. that, that That's the irony of it. Yeah, they're kind of like... It's funny, yeah, people who are kind of making these things are then teaching, yeah. It's like they're so much better than you, and so they'll make it for you, but they won't watch it. Like, I will never tell you that I'm listening to a podcast while making a podcast for you to listen to. No. Yeah, it's as if they, like, I don't know, maybe they feel like they have more noble pursuits. Again, it's that kind of... um, uh, like that kind of I hate like media discrimination and that mm. you know when everyone's like oh go read a book instead of watching television and I'm like I'm sorry there's bad books and good television you, you know and but in this case I like what Keaton is saying in that it doesn't have to be good television yeah. everyone deserves a reward and that you can go home and watch things you've seen before and that are not intellectually stimulating mm-hmm. and personally I love watching things like Netflix Christmas movies because I need something that is light and that wraps things mm. up in a very lovely Christmassy bow because like in no way am I saying my life is hard. I'm very privileged, but you know, I'm extremely hard on myself. I overthink everything and it is very exhausting to be inside my head. I can't sleep at night without listening to music because my thoughts keep me awake and I have nightmares every single night. So that's just a personal <laughs> insight into my own brain. Mm-hmm. Literally I was telling Micah about a dream I had before we started recording that I went to Vancouver last night that should have been a nice dream. It turned into a nightmare. I have nightmares every single night and I should probably see a doctor about it. So you know what? I definitely don't want to watch The Handmaid's Tale or Black Sin- or Black Mirror or The Sinner or anything else people recommend that is like scary like that. I have watched Twin Peaks and Stranger Things, I will say, but like that's an anomaly for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's fine. If you want to watch those, cool. But I do not. I want to watch shows like The Bold Type that are fun and still inform me. I also want to watch shows that don't inform me and that just let me chill the F out. Mm-hmm. And I think as everyone, we've, we were talking again before the podcast, God, we should keep some of those up there. Um, <clears throat> that December is bloody stressful. And I think this is a time when people need crappy Christmas movies just to indulge in some cheesiness and enjoy the lowbrow of it because, you know, not everything is war. Different things can be sad. Yeah. And I think it's great to enjoy cheesy Christmas movies. Um, and you know what? These ones, I, I kind of had, I watched a Christmas Prince sequel, actually a Christmas Prince and the sequel in one night recently. And I thought I could, you know, maybe kind of pull this into an intellectual conversation on the pod. But I don't really want to do that. To be honest, there wasn't really that much intellectual <laughs> quality out of it. Um, in the Christmas Prince sequel, it is called A Christmas Prince to the Royal Wedding, and they are planning a, you guessed it, royal wedding. No. Um, yeah. And there's also this um, 
second plot that kind of overtakes the royal wedding and it's about this like economic crisis that the country of Aldovia is in and like how they can like solve it and it's like an investigation and to be honest I didn't enjoy that I didn't think a cheesy Christmas movie needed something dark and like it was all about like class wars and that kind of stuff which are very valid things I just mm-hmm. didn't want to see it my cheesy Christmas relaxation movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did enjoy about it was there was an article on Glamour not too long ago, obviously, because the movie has only just come out, um, <laughs> that was that compared all the ways that A Christmas Prince is like Meghan Markle's life. And at first I was a little bit like, I mean, obviously, like you're having a kind of regular, in bunny ears, American woman marrying into a royal family. Obviously, there's going to be parallels to Meghan mm-hmm. Markle's life. But there was one that really interested me. So the article was called, All the Meghan Markle References in A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding, if you were wondering. Um, and the one, like, you know, a lot of them were like, she has to deal with protocol. Like, blah, like mm-hmm. you know, obvious things like that. One that was really interesting mm-hmm. was that the character in A Christmas Prince was having like was kind of being discouraged from writing her blog and did you know that Meghan Markle used to have a blog because I did not know this information I didn't know this either yes yeah so she had a blog it was kind of like a lifestyle kind of blog and it was called the tig and it like had kind of built itself into like a brand it wasn't just like her dear diary dot blog spot kind of thing Mm -hmm. it was a real thing and now the there's just a message that's come up saying, like, when you go on the website, the website still exists, and then the message there that says that it is not functioning anymore. It says, to all my TIG friends, after close to three beautiful years on this adventure with you, it's time to say goodbye to the TIG. What began as a passion project, brackets, my little engine that could, brackets, evolved <laughs> into an amazing community of inspiration, support, fun, and privilege frivolity frivolity frivol i don't know if i'm the saying first that right one. anyway um frivolity it's not a mm-hmm. word that i say out loud very often i know megan probably does um you've made my days brighter and filled with this experience with so much joy keep finding those tig moments of discovery discovery <laughs> discovery gosh um keep laughing and taking risks and keep being the change you wish to see in the world above all don't forget your worth as i've told you time and time again you, my sweet friend, you are enough. Thank you for everything, Meghan Markle. So yeah, so I totally sad. didn't know that she had to. I know, like I, we don't talk about the royals a lot on here because I think it's a very oversaturated conversation market. But like, I she's had to give up so much to be part of that family, mm-hmm. and I don't like. She had like a very functioning Instagram and things as well, and I think like there's been a few royal statements they've issued on it you know, saying, oh, Megan wasn't using her Instagram anymore so that we've, you know, she's made the decision to delete it. I'm like, she wasn't using her Instagram because she was dating Prince Harry and she wasn't allowed to. Stop pretending that, like, (laughs) she coincidentally chose not to do this. Like, if she hadn't married him, would she have closed down the blog? I don't know. Um, I was never a reader of this, obviously, as I did not know it existed. But that is an interesting similarity that I noticed between Meghan Markle and A Christmas Prince. So, yeah, sometimes... um, these Christmas movies can actually stimulate some intellectual research. But on on the most part, I think they're just fun and we should yeah. appreciate them for that. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. So I'm just still pissed <laughs> off about people making things and not watching them. Um, but yeah if you are unlike Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn and more like Diane Keaton and you just want to freaking relax after the absolute chaos that is a work day in 2018 check out a Netflix Christmas movie so maybe not a Christmas Prince the Royal Wedding because the economic side of it is a little broken So that is another episode of Different Things Can Be Sad done for the month. Um, we will be coming at you sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. Right? That is not right. Yes, we have a little special episode planned between now and our January one. So keep an eye out on your favorite pod listening app, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening on. 
Um, also keep an eye out for us on Instagram at DTCBS podcast. Uh, Micah, are you back on the gram now after your break? I failed at my break What's a little your- bit. I took a week. Okay. That's fine. It was that's good. good. That's this good. Is, here's the thing. Um, is if you need to take a break from Instagram, we give you permission and we encourage you to do so. And then come back and join us again. Because I failed at doing it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? Whatever works for you. Um, Micah, what's your username on the gram? Uh, it is at Miss Clearwater. And I am at Yasmin Lomax. Um, so you can find us there. You can see what we're up to in the next in the next little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be with you very, very soon. Happy holidays, we'll say, to mm-hmm. whatever you're celebrating this time of year. Bye. Catch you soon. Bye.